Welcome in to episode number five of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. The podcast is growing. It's getting bigger every week and it's it's getting exciting. And we're getting closer to releasing the list of nominees for the Hall of Fame. You can follow all that information. Plus, we post all the time on our social medias, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Just search Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame and all our stuff comes up. And give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a heart. Anything you got to do on social media, we'd appreciate it. Two big interviews today. The second interview is with Chuck Tatham. Chuck has written for shows like How I Met Your Mother, Modern Family, and Arrested Development. Chuck and I had a blast talking. I got a scoop on all the Canadian content of How I Met Your Mother, how he revealed the mother, and the working conditions on Arrested Development. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. But first off, do you know what an earworm is? It's that musical hook you can't get out of your head. And here's one that I've had in my head for a week. Listen to this and then I'll explain. So you want to sell your house, but you're too scared. Cause the market's like a greedy game of truth or dare. But you gotta sell quick, there's no time to avoid it. You need to find a new space for your toilet. So you don't like realtors with lame headshots. And you don't want your money to pay for their yachts. You feel like they're always trying to push up a facade. Like the sign that says that Jesus is the only way to God. Wish there was someone to save the day We'll look no further, help is on its way Stephanie buys houses You can trust her Stephanie buys houses She's looking out for you Stephanie, who is she? Where'd she get the money? Could it be this Stephanie? Possibly How many Yes, that is a musical number about those signs that you see around town of people wanting to buy houses or those letters that come in your mailbox and it's called buy houses and it has literally been ingrained in my ears for a week and i love it it's so catchy it was written recorded performed by kyle wolven kyle is a belleville man who last week won the third annual toronto sketch comedy competition and you have to check out kyle's youtube channel the video for buy houses will have you in stitches it is absolutely hilarious. I've probably watched it 15 times in the last couple days. It's it's amazing. Kyle also has videos on him on his campaign for mayor of Belleville. Uh, Belleville seems to be his his muse, his inspiration. It's his hometown. And we talk a lot about it in this interview. We compare it to my hometown, Brockville. Uh, we talk a little bit about some of the heat Kyle has gotten for poking fun at his hometown. Oh, yeah. And on top of all that, Kyle is a college professor. I hope you enjoy this. It was a lot of fun talking to Kyle and check out his YouTube, please. He's Kyle Wolven on YouTube and Pico Cat, which is his musical alter ego on Spotify. I hope you enjoy the interview with Kyle Wolven. I'm from Brockville. You're from Belleville. So I know we're supposed to be enemies, but I really like your YouTube comment. So oh, well, um, okay. I was still on the feeling of like the enemy side, but okay. So maybe some comparison. So how many Dollaramas does Belleville have? <laughs> Too many. Too many. Uh, four. Okay. Yeah. We're the same then. Yeah. We also have, we have four, which is way too many dollar yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Too many. 
I want to talk a little bit about your origin story. So um, I read somewhere that you kind of got your comedy stylings from your dad a lot. Your dad had a dry sense of humor. Was there anything kind of else that influenced you? Was there any comedy or TV shows or stand-up you're watching? Who were your influences growing up? Um, as a kid, I don't remember anything. Um, but as I got older in high school, I was definitely into sitcoms and satire. Um, well, actually, as a kid, no, it's not true. I grew up, I was a huge fan of Jim Carrey when he was on In Living Color. Um, so I remember him. That was like his first big break before the big break, I guess. Yeah. And so I remember thinking he was extremely funny on that. And I was young at that time. I was only, I was born in 88. So I would have been like five years old, I think, watching him on In Living Color. And I remember thinking, like, that guy's super cool and super funny even though my style is nothing like his. Um, and then as I got older in high school, that's when I really started to take notice in different styles of comedy. And then television was really what I was most into at that point. And Arrested Development was like the, the mecca, I guess, for me, the mecca of comedy. I just was so, I just remember turning on TV one day and just seeing this new show on that, like no one introduced me to it or anything. I just discovered it and was kind of blown away by it. And then I remember trying to get all my friends to watch it. And they were like, I don't get it. What's so funny about this show? And then I remember when I went to college and Humber College and being surrounded, other, surrounded by other comedians when I went there. And they all loved that show. And when I got there and it was like the same for them. It was like that show was the best show ever for them too. And so that was kind of, I knew I was home. Then. Yeah. It's funny you say that because so we do two interviews in one episode and the second interview of this episode is Chuck Tatham, yeah, um, one of the producers that. of Arrested Development, which is and writer. So yeah, yeah that's, that, that's cool. Uh, amazing <laughs> show. Yeah. A lot of people like rewatch The Office. I, I said this when I was talking to Chuck. I kind of gave away that I've already interviewed him and that's yeah. old. But anyways, radio, radio secrets. That that's kind of my rewatch show. A lot yeah. of people's is the office. And that's the it. office it's funny. The other, yeah, the it, office was it, the other one around the same time period, just after for me, rest after rest development, then came the office. It was like the other huge influence. But as far as like uh stand-up and sketch comedy, I was never really like I was aware of SNL, I'd watch it here and there, but it was never really a huge influence. And I didn't really truly know what sketch comedy was until I actually started doing comedy. And you did sketch and stand up, but it feels like, and just looking back at your videos that you kind of really found a home with YouTube. Oh yeah. Um, That's would you go back to stand up? Yeah, I'm hoping to. I've done it, like I, I don't consider myself a stand up comic. But that's more of the because of the lifestyle, not the not the aspect of it. So I love performing it, but I don't like anything else that comes with stand up. I don't like the before and after. Um, I just like writing it and then performing it. So when the pandemic's finally finished, I would like to get back to doing live performances. Right. Um, and so that would include stand up, but. Yeah. So you, I, I read to you, you're doing some college teaching, you're a college professor and, and you have this course called Funny Bone. Is that something that you created that course? Yeah, I created it. It's, it's ba well, it started as a result of not having a good comedy career going for myself. 
Okay. Um, I, I left Toronto. I went to school in Toronto to the Humber College comedy program. And things were going like amazingly well for during those years and right out of it was amazingly well. And then I left Toronto and moved back to Belleville, Ontario, where there is zero comedy happening. And then my career started to plummet really badly. And um, so as a result of that, this is like very short form, um, but I, I needed to figure out a way to make money and to have a career still, but I didn't want to just work some job that I hated because I'd done that and I couldn't, couldn't do that. So I started realizing I always had, I've always been fascinated by comedy, like just every aspect of comedy completely fascinates me. I love, I could talk to anyone about comedy for forever. And um, I guess because I went to university first, then got into comedy, having an education helped, but I just loved analyzing comedy. I loved just every aspect of it. And then I just got more interested in Canada's comedy landscape and why it is the way it is. And so I just approached a school and I had this idea of coming up with a course that's about comedy. So it's about, it's not teaching people how to perform comedy. It's teaching people about what comedy is, what Canadian comedy is, and why the Canadian comedy landscape is the way it is. So basically it's teaching people what a comedian does for a living, how they go about make a, making a living, and why no one knows anything about Canadian comedy, why it's not that popular here. Like I, I always bring this up in the, the very first class, I ask a class that's filled with like 30 students, name 10 Canadian comedians who are currently living in Canada and they're mm. lucky if they can get to four. And it's very disheartening, but it's like very telling too that like, even though Canada is recognized as like a really comedic country and having so much comedic talent, I don't feel like the country itself does a good job of recognizing those people and certainly doesn't do a good enough job of creating uh, opportunities for them to thrive in. And we're just constantly losing people to the States because there's just, it's so hard to do it here. Even I was talking to, uh, you, you probably know, you might've even been in the same class as Brandon Ash Mohammed. Yeah, yeah, we uh, were, you're the same year together. Same year, okay, yeah. So yeah. I was talking to him last week and he was just on that new show, uh, Last One Laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's just, he's like, you know, on the show, he was saying like, I gotta go to New York now. Like, I gotta go, like, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, whoa, you, you just tasted success and he's yeah. going, you know, like. Um, it's just yeah. always the next step for people which for me is kind of sad, but I totally get it because you yeah. limit and then there's nowhere to go except mm-hmm. there or LA. The amount of exports we have, Canadian exports who thrive in comedy in the States is pretty remarkable. I mean, our yeah. population is that big. The comedy scene, scene seems to be pretty small. So it's, it's pretty amazing to, to see that. What do, you think, what do you think makes Canadians so funny in general? I, don't, I think the politeness <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think we're not uh yeah i think it like comes back to that we're nice so maybe that's what is weird when we're not nice or like for other people or like i don't know what maybe life is more relaxed here than it is elsewhere i, I don't know 
like I compare Canadians to Americans all the time. So like my vision maybe is like skewed and like maybe just because my opinion of the States is very high. So I think like <laughs> Canadians are just better at stuff. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what makes Canadians funny, really. But that that almost makes sense in the in the sense that you know maybe we we are better at at the majority of stuff. But comedy seems to be the thing that just you need to kind of go to the states to to do, and only because of resources, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, and maybe that's the case in in other fields. So there is yeah. some American listeners on this show. So I won't bash. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, no, I, won't, I won't bash too hard. Yeah. No, I think it's totally fair what you're saying. Sorry, Absolutely. you bastards. <laughs> um, I like I like to find uh, the humor in the absolute mundane. And you have kind of done that with Belleville. I mean, I see that all the time in Brockville. <laughs> I guess we might be sister cities. I don't know yeah. that. But, um, you know, the one thing from your comedy is like, you touched on a couple of times is like the amount of cash advance stores and just being able to kind of rec- recognize that. Um, and, and, and I saw one of your standups and it was, it was old. It was from like 2015 or something where your opening kind of bit was just reading the rules of water polo. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Where, where does that come from? Like just finding the absurdity in the absolute mundane, but it, it I mean, it's hilarious. Well, I'm not, I'm a mundane person. Okay. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm like, I'm in this interview right now. I don't know what I sound like, but I'm more animated right now than I would ever be ever doing anything else. Like to me, I sound energetic right now. I don't know if that's what's coming across, but it's, it's coming through beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm a very low key, simple person who likes to stick to himself and not do much. Like I like to keep my life extremely simple um, I don't laugh much or talk much during the day. So yeah, I'm a simple mundane person. And I guess I, I've always found that funny is mundane, funny and trying to see what's funny in whatever's going on. But yeah, Belleville is like, I, I, I say the, the one thing that Belleville has going for itself is it has nothing, absolutely nothing going for itself. <laughs> like there's nothing here. And it was always like a joke that I would say when I was talking to people in Toronto, like talking about Belleville is that it's, you know, there's nothing to do here and nothing's going on in this city, but so yeah, finding the humor in all those things, like the, the cash advance stores, there's literally six of them on one street. Yeah. In Belleville, which it's is a, actually really deal. sad, but it's pretty funny that that, that exists that six are able, able to survive, right. On high interest. Yeah. Thrive. Yeah. 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 On high interest loans. It's funny. uh, You say that about Belleville. I mean, I'm in Brockville, so I'm like that much smaller of a community that much (laughs) further away from a big city like Toronto. Right. So, you know what, bro, I, I haven't been in Brockville very many times, but I was in there downtown once and your downtown seems really nice. It's not too bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. It seems like that's not a hard thing to have as a nice looking downtown, but man, it's, it's not good here. Um, beat up. It is, doesn't matter how much they try and push into it in Belleville. It just continues to be a sad sight for eyes everywhere. So good job on the downtown 
the last time I was in Belleville, I was downtown for your, uh, I think Hockey Day in Canada was there. Oh, yeah. And Hockey Day in Canada was like, what was going on downtown? And I remember thinking, what happens when there's not Hockey Day in Canada? There's, most stores are closed. Uh, you can't really find a place to eat for lunch unless it's like a close to a weekend. Yeah. Stores open again. Yeah, everything closes like Monday, Tuesdays. And yeah. Um, when you make your videos, I kind of want to get into like the process of, of making your video. Do you, cause I mean, first of all, how long does it take you buy houses? The one that you want, like how long did it take you to produce that video? <laughs> months. It took that, months. Yeah. That, that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's great. I love it. I've, I have that song stuck in my head. Uh, Stephanie buys houses. I, I played it in my office the other day and now coworkers have it stuck in their head. Uh, it's it's awesome. I hope do you, it never leaves. No, it will never just haunt me. Do you collect the footage for the video and then write? I feel like some of the things must be so hard to get footage-wise. Sometimes. If I okay. see something and that just strikes me, I'm, I'm taking footage of it or I'm making yeah. a mental note that I got to go back and get get that for sure. That one in particular started with the sign Stephanie buys houses. I saw the sign and I just immediately started singing Stephanie buys houses, like just immediately on the spot. And so that stuck with me. So I knew right away, okay, I got to make a video out of this, but it took months before I got to the point where I was actually making the video. Um, but I, like part of it, cause I do everything on my own. So I have to get the footage myself. I have to write, the idea out i have to write record all the music and then i do all the editing afterwards so it takes just a long and i have three kids who are under five okay so oh, well, uh, you're a busy guy then yeah yeah. yeah uh and then through a pandemic like they're home a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. too. so it's just finding the time to do it all it takes a while and so if I could do it quickly, I would, but yeah, it takes, it took months. I think the actual, like, but it's helpful too, because it, it allows it to stew longer and allows it me to think of more ideas. When I have an idea that sticks in my head for more than two weeks, then I know it's a good one. Like I know it's one I'm going to stick with. And then I know it's something I'll develop. And so then if months go by, I'll keep getting ideas popping in my head to add to it. So then it helps when I finally get to writing it out, because now I've got, four or five jokes that I know I want in there. And then it sort of helps me fill in the blanks. Um, but yeah, there's definitely footage that I'll, I'll see too that I think like, I'll just take randomly and then see if I can figure out a way to fit it in the video. So like there's a shot of a toilet on top of a house yeah, that, that was one that I was thinking of because you did, that was what, what brought up my question because I'm like, there's no way that he wrote it and then went out and <laughs> found this. He had to have, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite shots in the video. Yeah, so I saw that and I would see it many times and I would think like, I got to use, <laughs> someone has a toilet on top of their house. It's gold, yeah. Can't just let it not sit there. There's another one I keep seeing right now that someone just has redid their, house but it's like they remodeled the outside but they just put plywood on the outside and then they've just left it for months like i think that's what they're actually choosing to this is it this is what we're doing with our house just plywood. Yeah. so i keep thinking i should really get some footage of that because that could come in handy later 
Has anybody ever said something to you? Because, I mean, you're taking a lot of hits at your hometown, which I, I think is hilarious and love. But, you know, sometimes there's people that are way more sensitive than than the average person. Has anybody ever? Oh, you'll get the, uh, you'll get a couple of trolls. But yeah, uh, when I did my very first one, the one that went viral, there was a lot of stuff happening from that. And I was... I kind of had like a oh shoot moment moment because it was starting to take off really quickly and then I realized oh crap I live here um so like I have to go out into the public tomorrow and people are gonna like see the face of the guy that just made fun of where they live Mm -hmm. but most people and like the overwhelming majority of people get it and plus they most of them would agree too that like the I'm just pointing out obvious things most of the time, like most of them get it. There was a couple of people that really didn't like it. There was one person in particular that really, really didn't like me. Um, She works for the downtown. She's like the CEO of the downtown district. Okay. She let me know personally how much she didn't like me. Uh, And then I'm a, I'm a dick. (laughs) And um, that I should get out of this city if i don't like it asshole yeah um so i took a screenshot of that message that she sent me in case i need to ever use it because i thought that was pretty funny that someone of her public stature would write that to a random per stranger that they don't know but that was I mean, the worst one most of the time it's actually it's actually really nice people are totally on board and they they love getting in on it too. They like sending me things that they see of Belleville and, and stuff. We're in, uh, I think this is an election year. I think, I think it was four years ago, like municipal elections. Yeah. I don't, Are we know, getting... I don't know when mayor running is, but I'm, I'm running for mayor. That's what I want to, that's what I want to hear. We're, we're doing yeah. this. We're running for mayor. Yeah. N- new videos for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the old Kyle for mayor is, I mean, anybody listening to this, go to Kyle's YouTube. I'll I'll post it with with the link. Kyle from Ayers is one of your best ones. I love it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't really have much interest in politics, but I'm, I'll run I'll run for mayor, um, because I'm probably it probably pays more than what I'm making right now. I'm assuming. Oh, well, it does Belleville. I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm running. Uh, I don't know what you have to do to run for mayor. I'm assuming you just say you're running for mayor and then that means you're running. And then I'll probably win too. Cause I, I don't see why you won't win. I yeah. don't see, you've probably brought more eyeballs to Belleville this week with uh, the winning of your award, by the way, at uh, Toronto sketch fest, the comedy competition, the third comedy, you. Co- you won. Yes. Um, congratulations. And that probably, I, I think that brought eyes to Belleville. Yeah, right? That's, you're right. I'll, I'm going to put that on my slogan. Do, is that, you use a slogan when you, for I think so. Yeah. yeah. I slogan, won tagline. Yeah. Yeah. I won the comedy, Toronto comedy competition. Vote for me. <laughs> That's me. I would also like a Kyle for mayor t-shirt when they come <laughs> out available again. So <laughs> I will, I will support that proudly. You got uh, it. One final thing to kind of to, to wrap up on is uh, your music. I mean, Pico Cat, you're also like, not only you're oh, insanely yeah. funny, 
Um, is this an alter ego that I shouldn't? No, no, shoot? no. It's, this, it's okay. Yeah, this, this was a problem that I was treating it for a long time as an alter ego. And then I realized like, no one knows who I am anyways. <laughs> so that's not helping to have an alter ego. I'd be better off combining the two forces. Um, and maybe, I'll, maybe three more people will hear of me. I, I listened to it on Spotify. Uh, it's great. So I just wanted to let people know that Pico Cat is the, not the alter ego, but the other persona of, of Kyle Woolman. So yeah, I'm like Donald Glover, but not cool. Like the uncool <laughs> version of Donald Glover. That's right. Cause Donald kind of has both. Well, he's all in on childish Gambino now. Yeah, that's true. He's kind of given up on the, where I feel like you might be a little more, I mean. Yeah. Comedy's, comedy's the job. That's Music the job. Music is the the part-time gig, I guess. Um, but I take, do take it very seriously. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. I've had, had a lot of fun chatting with you. Um, yeah, that's great. I yeah, love and- you doing this. This is amazing that you're doing this, that you're interviewing people. Like, this is exactly what the Canada needs. More of this, more recognition for people. I'm not really sure why I'm on here um but it's an honor you you won a big award um and when i was looking at your videos i thought you were absolutely hilarious and and that's what i want the hall of fame is all about promoting comedy you know honoring comedic legends and uh there's a third pillar that i can't remember right now but, but that's <laughs> yeah, okay that one. Uh, yeah and the third one yes. um thanks a lot kyle really appreciate it yeah thank you it's awesome It's so good. It's so catchy and good. Actually, the whole YouTube channel is good. Check him out, Kyle Wolven. Also on TikTok, everything he puts out is gold. And Pico Cat, Pico Cat, the persona, the musical persona of Kyle. Uh, you can listen to that on Spotify. He put out a new album last year called Belleville. Believe it or not, Belleville. Um, it's really good. It's fun to listen to. Next up, we have Chuck Tatham. Chuck has worked on Full House, Modern Family, Arrested Development, and How I Met Your Mother. And How I Met Your Mother fans, you don't want to miss this interview. I get a lot of good inside scoop on all those Robin's Canadian jokes and how Chuck was involved in the big reveal of who the mother is. You don't want to miss this. Enjoy my interview with Chuck Tatham on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. So yeah. how are you how are you doing, my friend? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, thanks thanks for coming on. I, re- I really appreciate it. Yeah. What show What show are you working on right now? I'm on uh, United States of Al. It's on okay. CBS and I think yep. it's on Global on Thursday nights at eight thirty. Right. Uh, the story of a young uh, Afghan uh, interpreter for a, a U.S. Marine, and uh, he comes to Columbus, Ohio, to live with the Marine and his family. Uh, leaving behind his culture, his family, et cetera, et cetera, in Afghanistan. And it's been a very interesting show to work on, particularly in that uh, we're in the middle of this geopolitical, you know, stuff. Um, It's the most, it's easily the most political show I've ever been on. Um, We can't do 
perfect strangers anymore. You know what I mean? We can't yeah. do the 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 crazy uh, disoriented, uh, and thank God we we can't. But it's it's a very interesting look at cultural differences and um, lots of issues that other shows can't do. So it's it's a lot. It's at Warner Brothers. It's a Chuck Lorre produced uh, here at Warner Brothers. Um, Maria Ferrari and Dave Getch created it uh, with Chuck Lorre. I've seen the show actually. I've, I've watched it. Is it is it based on a true story at all? It kind of is. It kind yeah. of is. We have. I got a, that feeling. Yeah. Uh, um, a marine uh, consultant on the show who has been uh, very helpful. Um, it's a bit of an amalgam of people, you know, people that have come stateside uh, to get out of Afghanistan. And then I think to put a finer point on it, this is sort of the, um, hey, I helped you uh, Americans during your, your military exploits over here. Don't leave me behind because if you leave me behind, I'm in peril. Yeah. And so, and as the headlines uh, would indicate, uh, a lot of people are in peril. A lot of people didn't get out. So it's it's a very, um, you know, the first show I was ever on was Full House, shot on exactly the same stage here. Oh, really? Yeah. Almost 30 years ago. So I must admit, I've come uh, a fairly long way as far as um, doing shows with uh, depth and sort of, sort of, <laughs> sort of slightly heavier philosophy than full with all the respect to full house which yeah. was yeah uh, full uh, house still had those home. those moments though it still had those heartwarming you know yeah, yeah they were end, a, so. a little different than avoiding the taliban but yeah um, a little different uh yeah it was uh uh real deja vu uh chad going back on the stage stage i think stage 24 i'm not so good with the numbers of stages i just know where they are yeah. And then I walk in and I can probably find any craft service in, in Los Angeles blindfolded. I know where the food is. <laughs> that's, if it's free food, I'll find it. Yeah. But uh, uh, I worked here. Um, my brother Jamie and I were writing partners back on Full House um, when I moved here in 91. And after Full House, uh, he came to his senses and went back to, <laughs> back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I stayed at Warner Brothers and worked on a couple of shows. One was Living Single with Queen Latifah mm -hmm. and Kim Coles and Kim Fields. And then suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields. Right. And, and I um, talked to Joel, Joel Cohen actually uh, last week. So yeah. How was, how was Joel? He was Joel's great. Still, yeah. 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 You, but you did it. You weren't, that wasn't in person, of course, because you, no, you're, you're, you know, you were, he was he was in shorts, um, yeah. you know, right right in the same the same typical. area you were, and I was typical I was freezing. Calgary, here. Typical, yeah. typical. Um, but uh, he's part of as is his brother and others that you'll certainly talk to. This little kind of group of Canadians down here, who and I certainly can't speak for my 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 brothers and sisters. Um, we really identify first and foremost as Canadians. And it's kind of funny, like when you run into, I worked with, you know, Alan Thicke or you run into the late Alan Thicke, who was a great guy, or William Shatner or Donald Sutherland or Kiefer Sutherland or whomever. And the minute you establish that Canadian bond, uh, it just gets a lot easier. It's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of a cool secret club. And um, I'm, I'm desperately proud to be a part of it. Now that I'm, you know, legally in this country, I can broadcast that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, nobody, no <laughs> ice isn't coming to your door no, at this no. point. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in how you went to LA. Like, I know you worked in advertising in Toronto, and it, 
Um, I don't know, but just kind of reading about you and your story, it seems like that you took a little bit of a leap um, yeah. in 91 and just decided to to go for it and, and yeah. move south. Yeah. My dad was a newspaper man for many moons. And when I got out of, I went to Wilfrid Laurier University. And when I was released, <laughs> I mean, when I graduated yeah. uh, with a degree in English, he said, you can write the great Canadian novel and take seven years. And maybe it'll make a nice doorstop. Or you can learn to uh, write on a clock. And I said, what does that mean? He said, if you learn how to write under pressure, they need it yesterday, they need it yesterday, uh, then you can write anything. So try and get a job at a newspaper or at an ad agency or someplace where they're just going to keep yelling at you to keep writing as fast as you possibly can. And that was easily, uh, Chad, the best uh, advice I, I ever got. So I went into a sweatshop in uh, Toronto, uh, Saffer Advertising. Uh, fondly remembered as suffer advertising. Those were 70 hour weeks. If you did the math, I made about four cents an hour. <laughs> I wrote, and I don't want to brag, but I wrote most of the commercials for the brick, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, Black's Photography was a client. It was a retail shop and we were just cranking out product. And after about three years of that, um, my brother was also at another ad agency. We sort of said, let's uh, see if we can do comedy. And so we wrote a couple of samples and got them into the hands of the people running a show called Maniac Mansion. And that was um, a show, one of the writers there was Martin Short's brother, Mike of SCTV fame, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it was, the episodes were directed by Eugene Levy and it starred uh, Joe Flaherty. And my brother and I sold a couple of episodes of Maniac Mansion, I think it was on YTV, very interesting, quirky little comedy and Mike Short, I recall distinctly saying, you cannot make a living doing that here. You just cannot. And I always wanted to go to New York because I was a letterman nut. And he yeah. said, he said you, and you're not going to New York either, brother. You got to go to L.A. I'd been to L.A. Uh, once or twice, and I wasn't that enchanted with it. I mean, with all due respect to the, the, this lovely town where I've been for many moons, um, I liked the idea of Toronto. I liked the idea of staying in Canada. And if not, I liked the idea of, of New York. Uh, because I love New York and it was, you know, it's an hour from, from Pearson. Um, when it became apparent that it had to be LA, uh, we made the move and very, the, the, the sample scripts my brother and I wrote were a uh, Frasier and a Simpsons. Okay. And uh, that was the calling card back then. You know, we, 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 we found um, an agent lovely guy named Stuart Jacobs, because nobody cared. Like we call people and they say, why, why would I devote 11 seconds to your cause? You, 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 who are you idiots? Mm -hmm. And well, read our stuff. They wouldn't read our stuff. Stuart Jacobs is, is sadly is no longer among us. He was a tremendous guy and then a real, a very vital, interesting, funny guy who believed in us. And he sent this script out to everybody. I remember one meeting at Paramount was canceled because of this, the um, Simpsons script. I won't bore you with the details. But that person found that script so offensive, they canceled the meeting. And my brother and I were like, okay, so now we're writing stuff that they're not just rejecting it, they're canceling meetings because of it. Yeah. So I remember for 36 hours feeling pretty weird about that. But that was the very script that got us the meeting at Full House, where um, I rem remember saying, if we get hired here, are we allowed to wear shorts? And they said, yes. And, and that's all I needed. That's, <laughs> that's all, all yeah. Needed. No, that's perfect. Yeah, Sorry. and then you found... You found the craft services table and the rest. I found the craft services. And then the, the story that I've told entirely too many times, 
early on, I wasn't sure which one was Mary Kate and which one was Ashley because they both right. played Michelle. Yeah. And so I said to one of the showrunners one day, how, forgive me for not knowing, how can you tell which one is Mary Kate and which one is Ashley? And he said, well, first you have to give a shit. And I thought that was fantastic. Advice. So Yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's anyway, that was how we sort of uh, uh, got our, our, our toehold here. I knew um, I have no other skills. There's nothing, if not for, you know, comedy writing, I, I would be drinking my own urine in an alley somewhere <laughs> or somebody's urine and not necessarily an alley. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. But uh, I, after the ad agency, I knew I kind of liked writing. Like I kind of liked the pace of it. And I liked the fact that tomorrow would be different. Like, what are we doing tomorrow? What's the, and um, I think I remember thinking, what's, what's even more unstable than advertising? Like what's a career that would lead to even more heartbreak and anguish and well, let's go to Hollywood. So uh, yeah, nothing like rejection I'm... in Hollywood. Yes, you can't, yeah. beat, you can't beat it. Yeah, there's, it's funny because um, when I was doing research and looking at it, you were born in uh, Listowel, um, Listowel, Ontario. Yes. Yeah, which is where Jared Kiso's from and where I guess loosely based on, on Letterkenny. Which yeah. I, I never realized that uh, that was yeah, yeah. that was just a funny thing. I, I think it, the, the listable's got forty five hundred people, maybe five thousand people, and uh, he's a huge talent and supremely, uh, you know, he's a good looking, funny, talented guy, and I uh, I have lots of shirts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that show is right. Like the way they write that show is uh, oh is yeah, amazing yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the pace of it. That company is New Metric Media, and I'm uh, consulting on a show for them as we speak uh, called uh, Children Ruin Everything on CTV. I was going to get into that show. Um, I've watched it. It's great. It actually just got picked up for a second season. It did indeed. Yeah, it did. Just this yeah. week. It stars uh, Megan Raff, uh, Aaron Abram in it, who are, who are awesome. They're, they're great in the, the show. The cast is unbelievable. When I and and Kurt Smeaton created it, and yep. I thought children and everything. I guess Kurt's got kids, and, <laughs> and uh, so from afar, what uh, what I'm doing on the show as a as an executive producer and as a consultant is they'll send an outline, they'll send a script, and I'll send back my thoughts. And I can actually, when I send back my thoughts, I can actually hear them turning on the shredder. You can just <laughs> it's barely the emails barely open before they gas up the old wood chipper. But, uh, that's a great show. A lot of fun. Oh, it's it's a it's a really good show. And as somebody that has a kid, um, it really it really hits home. It really hits yeah, home. How, just the situations they get into a six year old. So it kind of fits right. OK, good. Six year old daughter. So it fits right into uh, the, the, the struggles in the real world that they're that they're dealing with the characters. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Well, thanks. It, it, it's not pasteurized at all. And sometimes we do fall into a trap of, um, you know, making the kids in shows precocious and sort of little adults and things. But the mm -hmm. kids and children and everything are the, the verisimilitude is is both hilarious and, and heartrending sometimes. <laughs> so Yeah, it they're really quite something. The episode one, not to give too much away, but the end of every episode one where the kid goes to the hospital and he the doctor advises him to pass yeah. gas was something that actually <laughs> happened to me in my life. Um, so it really, I really got a chuckle out of that. I went to the hospital, severe pain, and the doctor gave me that. Advice. Please. So, oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. No, that's it was good. a real thing. It's nice when gastrointestinal trauma can be relatable. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then you bring it on a, a podcast for people to hear. So, um, and another thing about that show, it got picked up by Roku. Um, I'm really noticing that, that, and then Schitt's Creek and, and where it's gone in the States and all the success it's had, Canadian shows are really starting to get noticed, right? Um, they are. They, yeah. they are. I mean, unless I'm wrong, I think Schitt's Creek was on the TV guide, like pop TV channel mm-hmm. down here. And um, obviously, it's funny when I speak of, I have a Canadian project or I'm working on a Canadian thing for years and years and years. It was, I might as well have been talking about Mars, you know, (laughs) and here it just doesn't matter. It doesn't seem lucrative. It doesn't seem relatable. It seems like another planet and uh, Schitt's Creek has helped a lot. Letterkenny has helped a lot. I think there's always been, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's always been tremendous respect for Canadian comedy down here. I mean, you can't, you know what I mean? When you think of the just the whether it's Jim Carrey or John Candy or Dave Thomas or whomever, uh, or, or even uh, Paul Schaefer is an extraordinary musician and he's hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was hard. I think it's hard to get out of Canada. Ryan Reynolds is a funny guy. I mean, I, Ryan Gosling's probably a funny guy. You know, um, it, it's it's your calling card is being funny. I think. What's interesting is we're not British, but we observe the British. We're not American, we observe the American, and we are an amalgam of those sensibilities. We know how to put a, a, a I think I, I kind of call it a healthy disrespect. I meet a lot of people who sort of marvel at American entertainment. And I must admit, there's some, some movies and some TV shows that I love. I don't marvel so much at, at that, at what show business is. As a Canadian, I think I have a, I have a, a sort of a genetic cynicism about it. And that I think makes it a little easier to write comedy. You know, if you, if you are worshiping at the altar of something, it's hard, I think, to, to lampoon it. And I always, I think I, maybe I speak for some other Canadians who say, this is kind of bullshit. Let's make fun of it, you know? Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to watch this sitcom and I'm going to try and race those actors to better punchlines than the ones that, that they wrote. And, and as a kid, I watched uh, MASH. My mom and dad watched a lot of MASH. And, you know, at the risk of dating myself, because, you know, who else would date me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, that, some people today would say uh, uh, that dialogue, that repartee is completely unacceptable now. That's not how people talk. Well, it's t- it, sure, uh, it sure charmed me. It sure intrigued me making sure that everything people said was funny and interesting. Uh, you know, this interview notwithstanding. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the, the idea that, um, I talked to a mental health professional a while ago, and he said, you should, as an exercise, you should try to articulate your thoughts in a, in a letter or an email or something without clowning around. And I found that to be infinitely harder than clowning around. Clowning mm-hmm. around is the default. Clowning around is the baseline. And um, this business that I'm in is the only place that rewards it like that. So that's, yeah. why, I do, that's why I do what I do. But. One show that you wrote on and worked on was How I Met Your Mother. And I, I have a couple of questions about that. And I know you, you weren't there at the very beginning, but I was no. wondering, uh, Colby Smalders, who's, who's great Canadian actress. Yeah, no. um, she's amazing. I, I'm wondering, did they write her character to be Canadian? After they casted Colby Smulders? From what I gather, they went to her and said, Carter Carvez and Craig Thomas, the the creators of the show, 
I said, you are Canadian indeed. What about if we made your character Canadian? And she was, from what I gather, amenable. She said, what will be the great advantage of that? And they said, well, we can do things like talk about the difference in healthcare and the difference in, hmm. in this and that, and the social this and the cultural that. And then like two weeks later, they're doing jokes about, you know, Canadians being afraid of the dark, <laughs> you know, yeah, so they yeah. just, they just took it and it was a masterstroke because I dare say to a certain extent, you can just mock Canadians and we just, we just love the attention and, you know, so it started out, I think they were kind of lying to her about their intentions or, or at the very least they had good intentions, but quickly said, what if we make it sound like everyone drinks maple syrup? You know, what if we, yeah. what are we, and, and they were off to the right. And so when I got there, I immediately became the de facto arbiter of what would, what's what's appropriate or what might offend Canadians and I never I don't I'm not sure I ever got it right I just uh, yeah I kept on saying if someone picks something that was funny I say put it in put it in if we get letters we get letters you know what I really liked about it is they would say things in that show a specific reference that I'm sure American audiences just thought were a goof and oh yeah not yes. like uh, the example of Thanksgiving is in October yeah. I'm sure you know your average Wisconsin um viewer was like that's ridiculous that's yeah yeah no and and, and which is kind of a, i remember um there's an episode where we talked about canadian sex acts hmm. and we just invented all we didn't you know like the mississauga uh three by three or the the flin flan icicle or whatever they were and standards and practices said you cannot say this stuff it's filthy we said we don't even know what it is. Yeah. They said, "Well, it's but it's purporting to be filthy." We said, "You cannot stop us from yeah. making up stuff that we don't even know what we're making up and saying it on TV." So we got away with, I think, some. I don't remember the episode, but a few quote-unquote Canadian sex acts that just sounded dirty. I guess. Did yeah. you ask standards and practice to describe the acts to you? Yes. So you hey, had some. Yeah. yeah. You 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 tell me what a Kingston skidoo is. You know, so you're the one. <laughs> you know. It's a, you're the one with the dirty pictures as the old joke says so yeah. uh but i i liked i i take no credit though people say to me you must have written all those canadian jokes on how much money no not at all not at all i wrote a couple of them but uh more often than not somebody brighter and, and funnier than i wrote the joke and i laughed at it and said it sounds good let's make Let's make fun of Muskoka. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. yeah. Sure, they went to Harvey's for burgers. Who doesn't? You know. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, Harvey's. It was Harvey's is the big reference that Harvey's. nobody would have got, but it's no, it great. No, yeah. No. yeah. You were also part of uh, you know, the big scene in uh in How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> the reveal of the mother. You were blocking the mother, and then you're the guy that I love that scene uh altogether. I didn't realize it was you. Even the song, the the song, oh, yeah. simple song by the Shins, which is one of my favorite songs. Yes. Um, I, how did that come about? Were you well, just, were, were they decided was, that you're gonna be the I I think I don't know the exact mechanics, you know, Pam Fryman uh, uh directed almost every episode. But I was up in the office one day and they were on stage shooting and they said, Chuck, can you come down to the stage? And I was thinking, obviously they need, you know, Mr. Funny Boy. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come. <laughs> they need a line in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> when I got there, it became readily apparent that because I'm a big guy, they wanted me to stand in front of uh, Christian Meliotti, the, uh, the mother, and then step out of the way. And I thought, oh, Okay, well, at least I get to be on TV. And if you've seen the episode, I believe you can see me from the armpits down. And then that's it. So yeah. I don't even get recognized on TV. But they just the said, glasses, the glasses are 
Oh, do you, you get recognize? Yeah, oh, you get a little bit of the glasses. A little bit of the glasses. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea that I go through the rest of my life saying that I revealed the mother um, because I physically and literally did, even though it was absolutely not my idea. It was a very, it was very well crafted by people smarter than I. So, uh, but I, I, I remember uh, I was a modern family and I was called down to the stage. And I, again, I thought, hey, I wonder if they need my women wisdom. No, Orson Bean was doing a, uh, the show and Orson was in his late 80s at the time. He was doing pratfalls, but he was having difficulty um, getting back up after the pratfalls. So I've been called to the stage to pick up Orson Bean after every scene. <laughs> um, I'm also a big guy. So I, I get the uh, get called into service. But mine is mostly just to like block the wind. Uh, yes, it's, yes, not, yes, it's not yes. as cool as being on TV. Yes. So um, you've uh, some other great Canadian actors you've worked with. Of course, Arrested Development is my rewatch show. I know uh, The Office seems to be a lot of people's rewatch show. But yep. that one's mine. Uh, Michael Sarah, Will Arnett. Um, yes just absolute great they're great in that show they're great oh. in everything they do we, yeah. we speak about the, the the hall of fame here i think will arnett has already put in a canadian hall of fame career oh i couldn't agree more he is probably as good a writer as i've met uh, he is probably as game and talented an actor as i've ever met this is a guy who's willing to do anything and there's you know, I say this with love for people who act for a living. Often, the vast majority of the time, they're being directed and told what to say. And Will does that. But, he, there's, but there's no off position on this guy. This guy's making it better. He wants to bend it. He wants to tweak it. He wants to just push it up, up, up. And whatever he spontaneously brings to it is extraordinary. He is really supremely talented and he's a sweet sweet guy I mean, he's the kind of guy that just makes like like my job easier you know mm -hmm. here will i've i've written some supremely mediocre stuff <laughs> and you know and he'll make it sound you know he brings to mind um ty burrell and ty burrell brings to mind will arnett in okay. that in that they just want it to be bloody funny and they're very um, they're very extraordinarily professional and efficient and smart about it. You know, they're, they're not, the, uh, a guy like Will Arnett, you don't see Will Arnett flounder. You don't see Will Arnett search. You know, when, he, when, when there's a scene, when there's a line, he knows what he's going to do and he knows how he's going to make it funny. And, and that, is that is really, really something that's so rare. And he's just, he's a great guy. He's a huge Leafs fan. Um, I think Unarrested... Wow. Uh, and I did not spend a lot of time with Michael. I didn't spend a lot of time on stage because we were always in the room. Mitch mm -hmm. Hurwitz is a comedy genius. And um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Mitch Hurwitz, but holy, go up! my God, this guy is unbelievable. The working conditions on Arrested Development were fairly unpleasant because we would work sort of 10, 11, 12 in the morning to sort of 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m., uh, <laughs> seven days a week. So you see the people on the lot on a Friday at six driving home and you go, must be nice. You know, yeah, yeah. I'll be spending Saturday and Sunday. Now, if, um, and I don't want to self-aggrandize, I hope I don't do that. If you're making arrested development, it's okay to stay there till 3 a.m. Yeah. You know, if you are, because I helped on the pilot, not that the pilot needed any bloody help. I read that and I said to Mitch, 
this is so funny. And he said, come aboard, you know, come on staff. I'd worked with Mitch before. I knew, and my kids were like four and six at the time, I think. I knew that it was the end of my, my marriage and the end <laughs> of raising my children if I got in bed with Mitch, you know, unrested. So it was season three. He came back to me and said, I, I think we might get canceled. Are your kids big enough? I said, my kids are big enough. So I went on arrested for the third season and, and you know, uh, you put on 40 pounds and went bald and got diabetes. And uh, I'm very proud to say I was a part of that because um, it's the, I've been really, really lucky, Chad, but my God, that show was so funny. And I understand people who don't like it. I know so many bright, funny people that say, it's too much, it's too fast, it's too much, it's too, mm -hmm. too it's too, it's too, it's too. And I, I understand. It's exactly my sensibility. But uh, um, we had four and a half million viewers every Sunday, and that wasn't enough. And Fox yeah. People watch it. The people who like it watch every episode ten times, but that doesn't help us. Your numbers are not big enough. So. Right? Yeah. No. It's it's such a great show. Um, before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit. Montreal Canadiens fan, right? Big Habs fan. Me too. Huge Habs fan. I, I actually don't live far from Montreal. I got to a game this year. Okay. Um, one of the few games as fans are excited. Did you know they fired their coach today? Do you I know saw this? that this okay. morning. I watched the. I couldn't watch the game last night. Seven one loss to the Devils. I saw the highlights. Mm -hmm. I was. I have moved from being mad to just being depressed. I mean, yeah. that was a non. Like that's a. That was a non-effort in an empty arena against a terrible team, and they lost seven to one. Yeah. So, um, as they say, they can't fire the team. But I feel bad for the coach, and I feel bad for whoever's whoever's going to take over. But something had to happen, Mike. God. Yeah. Something, so something's got to give. I think they're on pace still for their worst season in franchise history. Yes. 110 and, years into their, you know, and, franchise. And somebody said, I, I think I read a thing. No team since the 74 expansion capitals has gone an entire season without consecutive wins. And they oh, just wow. might, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the joke you can say is that they've, to their credit, they've been practicing social distancing from the puck. Yeah. yeah they absolutely have. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I've kind of, I'm kind of focused on, on baseball. I'm going to be, there honest, you go. You know? Jays are the Jays your team Jays. or Jays are my team. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Big Jays fan as well. Do you, yeah. do you still play hockey? I played hockey until the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. And yeah. that was February of 2020. Mm -hmm. And the league has started back up. I'm not sure if my back and my knees have started back up. Right. So yeah. Might be best to maybe leave that hockey playing hockey career behind. I wouldn't be surprised. Last year I was up in uh, Guelph, back home, and a buddy of mine um, we played pond hockey, and that was that was the most Canadian thing. That and complaining about taxes. I was it was, <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks a lot, Chuck, for joining me on the on the show. I I really appreciate appreciate oh. it. I'm I'm a big fan of of all your work. Like I said, um, the new show that that you're helping with, uh, children ruin everything. I I think there are only four episodes in. You can watch it on CTV in Canada. It's great. Um, and United States of Out is great too. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's on global. So yeah, I really appreciate and it. The last thing I'll add is I'm working. Get hold on to your hats, your hats and wigs. I've, uh, along with um, uh, Lone Eagle Productions, I sold a Harold Ballard documentary to the CBC. Ah, okay. So I don't know, I don't know when that's going to happen. But we interviewed Sittler and McDonald and Tiger and and everybody. 
about Ballard, and those were great interviews. Um, when that comes out, all I can say is I think it's going to be unbelievable. And if you that's that's one of those things where if you do the math, I think over the course of the four or five years I've worked on it, I'm I'm going to make I'm going to make one dollar on this. I'm going to yeah, make $1. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not all about the money, Chad. But no, yeah. no, not about it at all. Especially when uh, a legendary figure in hockey like that—that—that'll that, that'll be an interesting oh, story. Yeah, it was—it was fun for a Montreal fan to uh, take a look at Harold Ballard. So, yeah, uh, yeah, for uh, sure. But thank yeah. you, sir. This has been a lot of fun. I think it's safe to say we can start talking about Chuck Tatham for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. When you're looking at what he executive produced alone. How I Met Your Mother, Modern Family, Arrested Development, those are massive shows. Not to mention he was a writer on Full House. Absolute honor to talk to him. Thanks again to Chuck. Thanks to Kyle Wolven as well for coming on. Don't forget, you have to check out his YouTube channel if you need a good laugh. Even if you don't need a good laugh, you're going to get one anyways, because it's hilarious. Before we go, however, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the passing of Ivan Reitman. Ivan was born in Czechoslovakia in 1946, emigrated to Canada when he was four years old, and became a Canadian comedy legend. He directed Ghostbusters, Meatballs, Stripes, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, so many classic movies from the 80s and early 90s that I grew up with. Condolences from all of us here at the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame to his three kids and his wife, Genevieve. He is a future Hall of Famer for sure and a legend always. Thanks again for listening to the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Thanks again to Chuck. Thanks again to Kyle. It was a lot of fun. Have a great week, everyone, for the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan. Banking, buying houses. Is it Megan? Megan buys houses. No, probably Megan. Megan or Megan wants to buy your house and turn it machine which sounds super sketchy but who cares because there are plenty of others like alex buys houses he's so thoughtful i can't believe he took the time to hand write a note to me and fifty thousand other people amar buys